You know, we're breaking all the rules of offering to not give you space to finish your giving, but we'll just trust the Lord uh, for our future. I'm mindful of one or two particular groups where the prompt that Pastor Chuck just gave us is complicated right now. Uh, It's really complicated for you uh, because maybe you own a small business or you work in an industry that has shut down. And I want to remind you um, that Lake Avenue Church is a generous body of Christ and that we're going to walk with you and that the Spirit of God isn't putting anything on you that would make you feel obligation or guilt or shame that the kind of giving we're invited to as followers of Jesus is one that's preceded with joyfulness and cheerfulness. And so if it's just too soon for you, um, we get it. Um, But I pray that today and over these next many weeks uh, that you would meet God in in a way uh, that reduces your stress, that reduces your anxiety, in a way that increases your faith. And I know from my side of things, that's probably so much easier said than what many of you are experiencing. In fact, so many of you this week are experiencing some pretty, pretty intense feelings. I know for certain there are some of you kids who, this is all very strange. And let me just tell you, yeah, it's, it's really strange. I've never in my life seen essentially everything shut down. And, and to be in such tight quarters and to not have your activities and to not have your friends, to not have your teachers, to not have the regular things of your life, this is a big deal. And I bet it feels huge for students. I'm really mindful of of how much you in particular need your friends, but I also think you have an opportunity to help the adults around us because you already know how to connect with one another without physically being together. And and we have judged you for that for years, and now we are saying we need you. (laughs) We need you to help us know how to do this. But for for so many of you, I mean, I live streamed on Friday night, Maranatha's production of Susical, Lake Avenue students, you were amazing, amazing. But I watched that and I was grieving for our Marshall students who weren't able to do their production. And so I want you to know those feelings you have of everything you've worked for and the energy all the time and it's all on pause or done. That's a big deal, that's a big feeling. I think for so many in our community in particular, both our church community outside, your, your very Asian heritage, the fact that you have needs right now and you need to get to stores, but the concern you have of people looking at you or making comments to you or walking away from you, the, the kind of um, racism that comes with, with fear, I, that's, that's big. That, that causes worry. Some of you are staying home when you need to get out to get things, but because of the fear and the anxiety that you carry, that's a big deal. Those are big, big feelings. Some of you, your jobs, your very livelihood is connected to the market. And so while many of us might look at that and have no idea what all this means, you're very aware of what it means. Some of you, your livelihood is dependent on you pulling from investments. And so this feels big, and it is big. Our senior adults, my hearts are especially with you, especially those of you who live alone. The isolation, The anxiety that comes from the regular rhythm in church for you, I mean, this physical church building is such a source of your week. It's such a a moment where you get to interact with people. And now this, I mean, this too, these are all very valid and very real human areas of concern and worry. I have my own worries at this time. If truth be told, it's what Chuck just led us in. 
is that somehow this momentum that we're on as a church, both in what God is doing among us and even the financial momentum of this church, that somehow during this season we might, but those are important feelings. So I want you to hear me on the onset. We're going to look at a scripture in a moment where Jesus tells us not to worry. And I think as we, as we look into that word, I, I want you to know what I don't think Jesus is saying is to minimize any of the very real feelings that all of us are feeling the very real concerns, the very real areas in which life is not working for us right now. But I do think he's calling us to a way of living that lives so dramatically different from the human response. And so we need the Spirit of God, we need His teaching, we need perspective because we're all in some level of concern. Some of you are concerned that people are concerned because you just don't buy it. And I pray today the Spirit of God would speak to you and already has through, through our church. So our text for today, and this is where I offer my apology to all of the pastors and Pastor Annie and all everyone who's following along in our devotional book. We are switching some things. You're already used to a bunch of things being switched on you, so why not let me do that for you? The text we were going to preach this week, we're going to preach next week. And the text that we are, we're going to preach next week, we're going to preach this week. God in his sovereignty, in his goodness to us, has given us the perfect word. So all you're going to do is jump ahead in your devotional book a week, and then you'll go back next week on, a, on, on the subject, that, uh, on the text we were at. So for today, the reading comes from Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. This is Jesus speaking. You can stand if you want. And thank you all for dressing up so appropriately today. I appreciate that. Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They don't labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Before we jump into these very challenging and relevant words, and again, I think some of us are already, already thinking, really? Do not worry about tomorrow? Tomorrow's got enough trouble? What, what is Jesus getting at? I want to, the context of what Jesus is speaking about is very important. So before we zero in on what's happening in chapter 6 of Matthew and the words that we've just heard, I want to talk in general about the scripture. And this is a big generalization because I think many of us might try to understand, is Jesus saying never worry, never have concern? 
And if we think about some of the scriptures we know, even some of the expressions of the poetry of the Bible, there seems to be plenty of people often reflecting with concern, uh, with some level of concern for what God's going to do or if God's going to show up. And and so the way uh, I, I want us to think about worry in general in the Bible is that there's actually a godly kind of worry, a worry that comes from God directing our lives versus the worry that comes from our self-direction of our lives. And so throughout the scriptures, we can see people a little concerned, even experiencing a level of worry as it comes to fulfilling what God has for them. Some concern and worry about the mission that God has them on. Some concern and worry that comes with trying to be faithful to God and to be a part of building his kingdom. Just one quick area, the Apostle Paul reflecting on his life reflecting on what it's meant to be an ambassador, a a minister, a missionary for Jesus. He's reflecting on all the hard things that he's gone through in 2 Corinthians. And he says this, I face daily pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? I love this reflection because I think what it's showing us is that God-directed kind of worry, the kind of concern that Paul has for the church, for the gospel, the kind of concern that, that Paul has for the way he is communicating the gospel and watching the movement of God, trying to be faithful to what God has. So the, there's this one sense where worry in relation to the way God is directing our life should show up in our lives, the God-directed kind of worry. But what the Bible really speaks about over and over again, and what Jesus is getting at, and we'll look at it in a moment, is the kind of worry that comes when we're self-directing our life. Not so much the worry that comes from wanting to be faithful to God, but the worry that comes when we think we're in the driver's seat of our life, trying to control everything, when we put ourselves as God in our lives. That worry that is self-directed throughout the scriptures, whether it's in expressions of poetry, whether it's in the words of Jesus, whether it's even in the way God set up the world in in the first five books of the Bible, the worry that is self-directed is seen as faithless. It's seen as frenetic. Overall, it's seen as distrusting of God. Living a rushed and scurried life to try to secure, to, to try to control what can be, what can't be secured, and what can't be controlled. So before we jump into these words of Jesus, understand that there is a level of godly worry in this life. And what Jesus is speaking about and what we are going to speak about isn't the godly worry, although I pray that this season we would have that cultivated more and more in our life because there are good things to be concerned about right now. But our word for today is the self-directed kind of worry, the the worry that, that, that rushes us out to the store to hoard, to take all we can for ourselves because we we're not quite sure if we're gonna make it without controlling our lives. It's that context in which we meet Jesus's words today. So in what we read from Matthew, Jesus is gonna speak very specifically about worry in, in a very specific context first know this and see how this will be relevant for us today. Jesus is speaking about the worry that comes in having basic needs, the worry that surrounds securing our basic physical needs, food, drink, clothing. 
Jesus is speaking. How we handle that kind of worry when we're trying to just live. This isn't a teaching around the luxuries. We've already had that. Treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, the luxuries of life. Jesus is now teaching about the necessities of life. And he's also speaking about the kind of worry that comes in days of trouble. You'll see that's how the scripture ends. That's how his teaching ends, this section. He's calling out that there are days of trouble. There are hard moments. There are hard days. And how we live and how we handle worry in the midst of days that are filled with trouble. So see why we need this scripture today? See the scurrying around right now for basic needs? They're important. See the reality that we live in days of trouble? Before we jump into this text, because there are so many narratives out there that we've grown, some of us have grown up with, some that we've even heard this week from people who have jobs like mine. I want to be very clear on what Jesus is not saying in this scripture. First, Jesus is not dismissing or minimizing the importance of daily physical needs. He is not saying it, don't worry about, food is not important, drink is important, clothes aren't important. He's not dismissing or minimizing the reality for daily provision and needs. In fact, we just prayed, and he prays the Lord's Prayer before. He says, pray to God for your daily bread. He's not minimizing that. He's not denying or minimizing that there are days that are full of trouble. He, he's saying there are days full of trouble. He, he's not minimizing that. So we ought not minimize days of trouble. And what he is not advocating for, so hear this, church. He is not advocating for carefree irresponsibility. That would be a very quick and easy way to read the scripture to think, ah, oh, don't worry what you eat, what you'll drink. I mean, if the bird, no, 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 he's not doing that. He's cultivating something bigger. We'll get to that in a moment. Why is this important? Because Lake Avenue Church, whoever's listening to us, we are not to minimize the reality of daily physical needs in this time. Jesus isn't minimizing that reality. In fact, there is a godly concern Maybe not just for ourselves, maybe the godly concern is for those who don't have daily physical needs. Jesus is speaking to more of a perspective, more of a way to understand this in this time. So let's not minimize the reality of daily needs. Some of you, you need a challenge today because you're hoarding, you're taking too much for yourself. Some of you, you're just going, oh, it's, don't worry about it, everybody should be fine. I think there's a deeper way of living Jesus is calling us to. Second, I don't think we ought to over-spiritualize the season that we are in as a country and as a world. To think somehow that this is, this will, yes, it will pass, but to, to everybody's just overreacting. Uh, this isn't really trouble. No, 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 we can call this what it is. This, these are days of trouble. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Let's not over-spiritualize that somehow this is all just fine. I think it's okay to own that this is a time of trouble. And frankly, I don't think we ought to be carefree and irresponsible at this time at all. It's why we took the time to show you a graphic and to have Pastor Chuck talk about hygiene. This is a time for us to take very seriously what it looks like to be responsible in this time. I had an interesting conversation with someone earlier this week at the front end when all this was starting to emerge. And the person basically said to me, so we're we just gonna follow the government? We're we gonna follow the world? 
And I looked at this person and I said, hey friend, weren't you, weren't you just in chemotherapy like three weeks ago? Was that you following the world? Yes, we have promises of God, but God has given us amazing minds and all truth in this world is God's truth. And we are not following the world. We are following God's creative order. We're following those that he has given minds and expertise to. We are not somehow just making decisions because the state of California or the the nation or the World Health Organization. No, this is a time for us not to just be carefree and irresponsible. Our job is to discern during this time. And I believe that so far, what is being asked of us as the people of God does not come in conflict with the scriptures. And we're trying to be faithful. Now, there could be a moment, I guess, down the road where, where, where there is some call on our life, and it's those moments where we need to hold on to the truth. Hebrews 10, we're not failing that one. We are meeting together. So please, Jesus, the Bible does not ask you to dismiss or minimize the daily needs. He doesn't ask you to deny or minimize the troubled times. And Jesus is not advocating, and the church should never advocate for somehow carefree irresponsibility in the world that we've lived in. So what is Jesus saying? And for today, there's just two words. Two words that I think might help us understand what Jesus is saying, and I pray would help us in our lives. Those words are perspective and trust. First, the word perspective. Uh, look, Look how Jesus does this. He says, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than them? Or later, he talks about the flowers, the created order. See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. I I tell you that even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these, one of these flowers. And if God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, it's thrown into the fire, Will he not much more clothe you? And then in 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you. Jesus is asking us in the midst of very real needs, in very real times of trouble, to have some perspective. I think there's two observations that Jesus is calling us to. One, to observe ourselves a certain way and to observe the world outside of ourselves. So to observe the world outside of ourselves. I just love this image. I love that Jesus does what all of us do when we either hike or backpack or hike in the mountains. We're blown away by the creation. We're blown away by, when we see nature, it it very, itself screams that there's a God in this world. And Jesus is using nature to speak to his audience to say, observe what's happening outside of you and it will give you hope of how much I care about you. See the natural order. Yes, this is a time where if you're glued to your TV and watching the news, I think Jesus is saying, get your observations outside of your news feed. Uh, Today, many of you are very excited because Disney Plus is releasing Frozen 2 early. And if you have Disney Plus, here's my encouragement. Kids, families, you need a little National Geographic right now too. You need to get outside of what is dominating and and fantasy. We need to get with truth. And by looking at nature and seeing how the, the natural order is provided for by God, 
is a way in which Jesus is saying, get some perspective. Observe something bigger than your own particular need. Get your eyes bigger. Remember the teaching last week? Good eyes, bad eyes, generous living, looking up, seeing what's around. Jesus is pulling up right now and saying, if, if the grass doesn't worry about, if the flowers don't worry about, if the birds don't worry about, I love you more than that. And he is trying to give us perspective. So one, the observation, look outside of yourself, but also observe yourself. Observe yourself the way Jesus observes you. Some of you, that's the challenge. You really don't believe that you matter to Jesus more than the birds. And Jesus says to you, you have little faith. Some of you, you need to start seeing yourself the way Jesus sees you, as valuable, he says. As, as worth him. Worth him teaching. Worth him dying for. Worth him starting a church for. Worth him fulfilling God's uh, covenant from day one of the Bible. You matter. I know that Christians say this all the time, that God loves you and has a, a wonderful plan for your life. It's just true. And the perspective that God is giving us in this time is, yes, there is very real days of trouble. There is very real needs out there. But if God is taking care of the birds and the grass, he's going to not forget about you. He knows what you need. And so in this time of trouble, in this time of very real worry, might we be a people with real perspective to look outside of ourselves, to see what God is doing in this world. I was with our, uh, my neighbor last night. Many of you know her, Kate, you might kill me, Kate Jennings. By the way, we have all self-contaminated enough that we are considered one family unit according to the LA County uh, Public Health. So sorry, I've got friends and some of you don't. Kate and I were talking last night, and I said to her, I said, Kate, can you imagine if this happened a year ago? And just reflecting on, in the last year, she's got a new room in her house, and she can get away from everybody in this amazing room. I go, there are some good things that are happening. And she smiled and said, okay, Jeff. But can we get our observations outside this particular moment, see what is happening, see how God does provide, and start seeing ourselves the way God sees us as valuable, verse 26. It's really hard to see ourselves as God sees us without the second word, and that second word is trust. Perspective and trust. Trust. Jesus, Jesus has some pretty big words for us to trust. Verse 25, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you'll drink, about your body, what you will wear. Jesus says, trust me, in verse 26, when he said, are you not more valuable than they? He again asks us to trust him when he says, seek first my kingdom. He asks us to trust us when he says, I know what you need. He asks us to trust him when he says, don't worry about tomorrow. All of these calls from Jesus are calls for us to trust. Now, now, the moment Jesus is speaking about this, there was a dominant thought from the audience. It's this uh, religious perspective called deism. The idea that, yes, there's a God who created the world, but he is a distant God. Everything has been put in motion, and, and it's all just kind of working out. However, that's why people were trying to control their lives. They didn't have a relationship with God that said God was present, that God saw them as valuable, that God was in the midst of daily needs, that God was in the midst of trouble. 
And so this teaching of Jesus is one not just of trust, but it's an invitation to intimacy. It's Jesus countering the narrative of the time that said, there is no God concerned with you. There is no God concerned with your daily needs. There is no God concerned with the troubled times. And that might seem like a distant perspective for many of us who go to church, but for some of you, you're saying, yeah, that's my belief in God too. I mean, I believe, yeah, because it's pretty amazing. There's probably a God out there, but I don't really believe that there's a God that would walk with me and talk with me and provide for my daily needs. Jesus is giving us an invitation to trust in a context where people had no clue that Jesus was interested in relationship. And essentially what Jesus is saying is that you cannot trust what you do, who you do not know. Some of you know that very well. It's hard to trust someone we don't know. So essentially what this teaching is, is an invitation to know God. To know the God who says, you don't have to worry about tomorrow. To know the God who says, I'm going to take care of you. I know what you need. To know the God who says, you're valuable. If those are just words for you, maybe this season of life being different, those words could become truth for you. And that what could be cultivated in this season, in your heart and in your life, is a connection with God that looks totally different, one in which the trust of God's word, of his promises, of his presence might become louder in your heart and in your life. Because I know I've said it so many times, but let me say it very clear. Verse 26, you are valuable. Verse 32, God knows your needs. Verse 33, God wants you to seek him first. He wants your heart. He wants you. He wants you to come to him and then watch him provide. Watch him provide through one another. I don't think this is a blind trust, a blind hope. Some of you don't even know why people go to church, but you're stuck at home, so now you're watching church. We, we have church because God's given us one another to live out these things. Part of what we're going to be working on this week. Some of you need people to, to bring some groceries to you because you can't get out. You're vulnerable. That's why we have church. That's why we are the people of God. The way God provides, the way his righteousness shows up is in us showing up for one another. Essentially, what we need to recognize is that when we worry, when we stress, when we have that kind of self-directed worry, we can subvert trust. And it's really hard to have intimacy and relationship when we don't have trust. Relationship is the goal, I believe, of this scripture and of this message today. Relationship with God, relationship with God's people in the church, because it's in relationship where our identity is formed. It's in relationship where we find out what life is about, what our mission is, what is important. Relationship with God is the very antidote to stress and worry. In fact, in, in another scripture, Philippians, doesn't Jesus say, uh, or doesn't, doesn't the teachings say, um, that cast our cares on him? To, in every situation, go to him with prayer and petition. See, it's always intimacy. It's always relationship with God, which is the antidote to daily worry and stress and concern. Which leads me to this kind of final thought. A thought around what the result of this kind of living is really at the underground heart of what Jesus is doing in this teaching. What is Jesus saying here that goes beyond the surface of just get some perspective 
Learn to trust him. Because Jesus is building a people that are distinctive from everyone else. And when we can actually live this way, where we have perspective, where, where we can have trust and intimacy with God, what ends up happening is the people of God stand out to the rest of the world of what it looks like to live. See, it's in our ability to be faithful to this teaching that I believe Jesus is going to use in this time to declare his name to the world around us. So Christians, stop hoarding. Only hoard if your plan is to give it away. Take care of yourself responsibly. But how we live in this moment, and if we are frenetic, if we are self-absorbed, if we are just taking care of our own self, I think we've missed what God is doing and what he's asking us to do. Many of you have heard this. Pastor Greg talks about it all the time. In the fourth century, the Roman emperor Julian the Apostate had a, had a, had a goal of just wiping Christians out. Didn't like them, didn't want them, called them godless Galileans. And in all of his efforts to wipe out the believers at that time, as he's reflecting, speaking to his generals, he says this, we ought to be ashamed. Not a beggar is to be found among the Jews and those godless Galileans, the Christians. Those godless Galileans, the Christians, feed not only their own people, but ours as well. Whereas our people receive no assistance, whatever, from us. Welcome to being the people of God in this day and age that doesn't just put our own concerns above the concerns of everyone else. What does it look like in this season for us at Lake Avenue Church, or if you're a part of Lake Avenue Church in this way? What does it look like for the people of God to trust Jesus, to have some perspective, to believe that God is inviting us to live in such a way that it stands in contrast as a counter-narrative, as a more inviting way of living. Not that we're irresponsible. We're not to minimize the troubled days we're in. We're not supposed to minimize the reality of daily needs. We're not supposed to be irresponsible with all the advice that's coming out there, but there's a way to live in this moment. There's a way for you and I to live in this moment that screams to the rest of the world who God is. And my prayer for all of us is yes, we're not physically together for the next few weeks. And, and frankly, let's be prepared. Let's pray boldly, put our, put our petitions. We don't know how long this is going to go, but I know this, that God asks us to trust him. He says, Lake Avenue Church, the people of Lake Avenue Church, you're valuable. I know what you need. And even in this particular moment, God's building us into his people. I pray that this season you would be compelled to be closer to God than ever, that you would cultivate intimacy with Jesus, and that what is forged in the midst of difficulty, what's forged in the midst of trouble, what's forged in the midst of real worry is a distinctive kind of way of living that brings you freedom and peace in your life, but also communicates freedom and peace to the world who needs that freedom and peace. Join me in prayer. Father. For such a time as this, we are alive. For such a moment like this, you have called us to be your church. 
For such a time as this, you have invited us to live out the words of your son, Jesus. And I pray that each one of us today and the week ahead would remember all the time to have some perspective, to see ourselves the way you see us, to see what's happening around us that points to your goodness and your provision, that you would cultivate in us intimacy so that our trust of you and your words could increase so that we might stand out to the rest of the world and in this city and in this community of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.